I have planned for us tonight to do some work from James chapter 4. And I need to begin by setting this up based on something back in James chapter 1. In the study of the epistle of James, it is important to know that he was writing to Christians who were under pressure, going through difficulties and temptations perhaps that they had not imagined when they first obeyed the gospel. It is a uniform principle throughout the New Testament that when you are suffering or stressed or distracted, you never use that circumstance to excuse yourself from obedience to God day by day. In fact, there is this statement in James 1 and verse 3. The testing of your faith produces patience. It is in times of crisis and when we are under pressure that we can, through continued obedience, build character and grow, become better people if our faith in Christ continues to be active. Well, that's the tone and the theme of James. It is like James is saying to the Christians who were suffering that he was writing to, I know you are suffering. God knows you are suffering. But as you continue to be faithful to your commitment to Christ, suffering actually refines your character and stimulates strength and growth necessary in your service to God and in your own future. Now, with all that in mind, let's go over to chapter 4. Christians who are hurting, who are suffering, can find themselves at the receiving end of assaults from the devil. The devil sees us <clears throat> suffering, and he goes to work to turn that suffering into a distraction that defeats us. It becomes vital, therefore, for us to be alert to the devil's assaults against us in those times of trial and difficulty we go through. So here in chapter 4, right in the middle of this context, in verse 7, James says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But before and after verse 7, here in James 4, terrible sins are identified. These are the very sins the devil can try to move us into when we are suffering. These can destroy us. And they share a common theme that we will discover near the end of our study. So let's let James chapter 4, inform us and strengthen us against any assaults of the devil that we may face. Sin number one in James 4, selfish passion that explodes. Listen to verses 1 through 7. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes in the Bible, what's happening is a question is posed to arrest our attention, to bring about in our minds some pause and some thought to look at what we're doing. Consider how James chapter 4 opens. It is a question designed to provoke that pause and that thought, and that self-examination. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Now what that says is stop and think. Whenever there is conflict, responsible people will inquire what is the cause. It is foolish to perpetuate arguments and conflicts without stopping to discover the cause. And that's the point in James chapter 4 and verse 1. It is like saying, everybody stop, go to your respective corners, cool down and consider why you are fighting. What is the root cause? But James doesn't just leave the question hanging in thin air. He goes ahead and he supplies the answer. He says, your passions are at war within you. The conflict that is external has a cause that is internal. You want what you can't have, and so you're fighting. Your motives are selfish. You are wrong and worldly, and have put yourself at enmity with God at the extreme. So I'm going to call this selfish passion that explodes. How do I avoid this? Here's what the passage is telling us. When I get all worked up and obsessed about something I want, I need to slow down and drill down to my motives. When there is conflict on the outside, I always need to look inside. Even if the conflict doesn't reach the level that James describes in James chapter 4. In fact, the earlier you discover the internal cause, the better. Why do I want this so strongly? Why am I acting or thinking this way? Do I want this thing so bad I'm willing to do anything to get it? That I'm willing to go to war and perpetuate conflict? Anytime there is external conflict, I need to look internal. James is identifying this in its extreme. The sin of selfish passion that explodes into conflict and always takes us away from God. And the New King James has this phrase, your desire for pleasure 
that wars in your members. The members of your body can reach a point where they're serving your desire for pleasure. And it has become so intense that you fight and quarrel. To avoid this dreadful frame of mind that leads to this extreme in conflict, it calls for us, here in James 4, to slow down and pause and engage in deliberate self-examination. Because conflict that is external always has a cause that is internal. Submit yourselves therefore to God, draw near to Him, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sin number two in James 4, speaking evil against another. Verses 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's briefly visit a clarification that pertains to the context of the New Testament before and after this. There are times when we are obligated to point out sin in others because we love them and we don't want them to be ruined by the sin that we have evidence of, that they're involved in. There is what I'm going to call a righteous confrontation that is valuable, necessary, and to be given in the right spirit. Illustration. Someone is standing right in front of you about to drink poison. What do you do? Do you say to yourself, well, Jesus and James said judge not. No. You're going to speak up and do whatever you can to keep the person from drinking to their ruin and their death. And by the way, that is related to what I said this morning about alcohol. The present point is there are times when we are morally obligated to speak up, offer necessary rebuke, and confront the sinner. Jesus said one time, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Luke 17, 3. That righteous confrontation is not being ruled out by James in this passage because that's what James is doing. This is a righteous confrontation. James is illustrating a righteous confrontation when he says to the people he's writing to, here's something you shouldn't do. This is about speaking against someone. Now that's the emphasis we need to give it here. You're not wanting to help in this, in this passage. You're not wanting to help or restore or bring someone to repentance here. No, this is talking about taking on the role that you don't have, the ultimate judge. This is acting like you sit in a place that you don't occupy. This is speaking against someone that is intended to hurt, not save. To mark someone off 
from our wrong motives to pronounce judgment as if we were the lawgiver and the judge. The NIV says, do not slander one another. A commentary that I have calls this impious judging. It is not a simple discussion of differences. It is not healthy and well-delivered correction. It is unjustified charges. It is the intention to hurt. It is childish and selfish and evil. It is ill-conceived and defies the imperative in the context to humble ourselves before the Lord and treat people right. The third sin in James chapter 4, is boasting of future profit. Verses 13 to 17, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. Here's what I want us to see from these verses. James, at the end of this section, takes us right back to the beginning of the section. Wanting what you cannot have and doing anything to get it and boast about what you're going to do without regard for God. That's really where the chapter started in the opening verses. James comes right back to that. That inner drive that is self-focused and produces this kind of inner conversation. I have to get what I want now and I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to go there. I cannot wait. I cannot schedule this. I cannot account for God's timing. Everything else can wait. I must hurry and make my profit. This is what will happen tomorrow. I know it because I thought it and said it. James says, no, you don't. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. And to not take into account the Lord's sovereignty and providence to assume and boast and make profit a priority, so much so that God's timing is not even mentioned, all such boasting is evil. Our culture is captivated by wealth and its quick acquisition, its display, and then its waste. And the sin exposed here is the vain assumption that profit will be in my future because I said it. There will be another day and another check. I'm going to assume it. I thought it and I said it. It's going to come to pass. And verse 17 teaches that this kind of boasting of future prophet that leaves God's will out can lead to a place where we know what is right, but we fail to do it. And of course, James says that's sin. So 
In James chapter 4, three sins are exposed. And they have something in common. Selfish passion that reaches the extreme that James describes where internal desire and passion explodes into external conflict. James says, stop and think about that now. That's sin number one. Sin number two, speaking evil against another, not to help, not to redeem, not to warn, not to condemn evidence of sin, but just against another. And then sin number three, boasting a future prophet. I thought about it. I want it. I said it. It's going to happen. James says, no, you don't know. Now, what do all three have in common? Self-centered thinking. Selfish passion that in its extreme can lead to conflict and war, even murder. Selfish evil speaking that is not designed to redeem, but is against another. Selfish boasting and obsession with future profit where you say, I want it, I thought it, it's going to happen. The common thread, all three sins, selfishness. And the answer is given right in the middle of the chapter. Here is my protection against these sins in their first occurrence or in their extreme explosive level. James 4, 7 through 10. Here's what I need to do to protect myself against any of the sins mentioned in the chapter. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. So, if I don't like the things I've read, those sins, one, two, and three, whether they occur in my life in the extreme or whether just in the beginning stages, James says, here's how you protect yourself. Coming near to God, staying with Him, refusing to be driven by selfish passion, even at relatively small levels, and humbling ourselves before the Lord. And the promise built into all this is, He will exalt us in due time. What binds James chapter 4 together is selfishness at any level, at any occurrence, is defeated by humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, knowing that He will exalt us. So, let's live that way tonight and this week and the rest of our time on earth. Let's be standing while we sing.